This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Take them ropes, Saturday morning edition, Jeff Hawkins, Jesus in his kitchen. Rocking that bathrobe, <laughs> baby. I am I am business casual. I hear I'm here, I'm casual, but I always mean business, Hawkins. It's Saturday morning. Let's rock. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can see the show now on Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel, youtube.com slash voices of wrestling. And we are as usual an audio show, so I will not make too many references to that. Oh, starting off the weekend, great. Some people are awakened by breakfast in bed. Some people are awakened by, you know, their kids asking them to play. I am awakened at five in the morning by my podcast partner texting me a picture of Commander Aziz in a metal ceremony. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. That is that is the photo that I want to be a and say, what is this crap? <laughs> Explain yourself, sir. So um, I'm watching SmackDown. I'm rising and grinding on this Saturday morning here to bring the hottest of hot takes. And I'm watching SmackDown and I arrived to this point, this crossroads in my life, wherein I am sitting on a Saturday morning and watching a very tall man standing on top of a box and thinking to myself, how could I possibly explain this to anyone who would ever, ever possibly want me as a partner on any level? And uh, (laughs) the answer is no. There's like actually no real way to explain Commander Aziz to anyone. How many cats ran away during that segment? It would, I'm out of it's here. easier to explain the cats than it is Commander Aziz. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Rusev medal ceremony done much better, in my opinion, and needed the lawyer too. Needed the- <laughs> well, the Rusev Remember- ceremony does a number of different things, right? Like, I mean, Rusev is not necessarily the tall. Miro's not the tallest guy in the world, so having no. him like stand up and get the prestige thing works. Whereas, like. Aziz standing on the box just made him like, you know, nine feet tall. That had to be a rib. That had to be, that had to be a rib on Apollo. Now he's gonna bend down for this. <laughs> they were trying to figure that out. <laughs> it was hand. so ridiculous looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we will get to the <laughs> preposterous main roster in a bit, uh, and do a preview of WrestleMania Backlash. Not to be confused with. WrestleMania SummerSlam and WrestleMania Survivor Series and WrestleMania Royal Rumble, Ro- WrestleMania Money in the Bank. They should just call themselves the WrestleMania Entertainment Company. World WrestleMania Entertainment. Enter- yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just brand like yeah, Monday Night WrestleMania. Ever, it, it, it's their strongest brand. Raw, I can fix Raw. People, you know, Raw has been trending the wrong way. Easy fix. Monday Night WrestleMania. Starting with a bit of down news this morning. Uh, New Jack passed away last night. A heart attack. Age 58. 
New Jack is, to say the least, polarizing when you uh, when you talk to people. Look, uh, if you've seen the dark side of the ring, goes a bit into this. The good, especially if you watch him in Smoky Mountain, his promos are hot fire in Smoky Mountain wrestling because he uh, look it's cheap heat in every every sense of the word because it's based on racial politics and OJ Simpson and the, you know, he's calling out the NAACP for, for things. I mean, he's really, he, he wants to work the hillbillies and those promos, they get people hating him. All right. But then you get ECW new jacket afterwards, which is fast transit who he hurt and is responsible for. You, know, you get XPW new Jack, which I went to 2002 free fall, the, 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 uh, the scaffold match with Vic Grimes, where he basically tried to kill him. And it's proudly he tried to kill him. Uh, and then you get comedic TNA new Jack doing bits with shark boy in his later years and doing, you know, nostalgia shows and, and kind of repairing his. I saw new Jack wrestle. Yeah. I, 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 when I saw new Jack wrestle as, the ultimate rib, and this was at a local show, he did a 10-minute technical wrestling match. Yeah, he, has before, the, he had that ability. Be, yes, before breaking into all the standard fare trash stuff and it ended outside of the VFW. Uh, so, New Jack's a super complicated dude. Uh, I mean, because he was so... He loved living the gimmick. That was a big part of it, too. He liked living the gimmick. The gimmick lived through him, and at some point he became the gimmick too. And to sometimes I think when we use the phrase like living the gimmick, and we do this in other forms of art too. Um, we do this a lot with musicians or with, especially in Hollywood, with actors or directors in particular. Um, we excuse away actually aberrant personal behavior as uh, the manifestations of genius or the manifestations of art. And I think some of that happens with New Jack, too. He was an actually bad guy who, um, in part through his badness, was able to make really convincing art in his style. His style of hardcore wrestling doesn't work unless you believe that New Jack is a legitimately dangerous guy who could knock your eye out without compunctions. Now, now, I'll also say that probably a lot of the talk about, man, I really want to, I hate this person, I want to kill him type of thing, might be a little bit overwrought, too, and living the gimmick. Yeah. You know, no, 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 that's what I'm saying. It, 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 it's, yeah. very, it's very cross-streams. It overlaps, but there's a certain degree of unrepentance uh, with regards to mass transit uh, that I recall from uh, the dark side of the ring and like some of that, some of that stuff. Um, let, let me, ex- let me explain the mass transit incident just in case younger viewers do not know. It was very, very formative in uh, I think 94, 95, maybe, maybe uh, in ECW 17 year old kid by the name of, I believe Eric Kulas comes hoping to get booked on a show. Uh, Lies about his he, age. He lies about his age. He's only 17. He's not 18. They put him in a match with New Jack. He doesn't want a blade. So he asks New Jack to do it for him. New Jack takes a box cutter to the kid's forehead and starts digging in to the point where Eric Kulas's dad 
is trying to hit the ring to get him to stop it. Kids yelling in pain. And then afterwards, New Jack being New Jack brags about it <laughs> type of thing. It, uh, you know, it makes all the local wrestling news and things like that. Uh, there's also the old man Joe incident, which I think is equally as yeah, troubling. yeah, yeah. The old man Joe one's pretty rough. Uh, for I, his name's old man Joe, right? Like that. Uh, that was the gimmick. Uh, I don't think it's old man Joe. I thought it was something like Hobo Joe or something like that. Yes. I, All right. So so, about, so so anyways, I, I'll kind of give you the loose framing of this. Facts will be slightly fudged. Maybe Jeff can catch me if I'm really off guard here. Old man Joe, we'll call him old man Joe, hobo Joe, whatever it is. The whole gimmick of this guy is Gypsy Joe, Gypsy, Gypsy Joe, Joe Gypsy Joe, uh, modern name, um, Gypsy yes. Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is old. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> maybe we should I just use the with term old man Gypsy Joe because that is his name. All I right, know. I know. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> My goodness. Anyways, Joe's whole gimmick is that um, he, he is he's an old guy. He's really tough. He doesn't sell anything like strong, st- like hobo strong style almost. Well, he Joe's also got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Thinks that, you know, he's an old veteran, should be treated with some respect. This is his little sandbox. New Jack's coming in there and working his sandbox. And the whole point is that, like... Joe is supposed to get some shine working with New Jack during this. Well, New Jack does his first couple of moves, and Joe doesn't sell. Um, and so then New Jack makes it a point that he is going to make uh, our man Joe here sell and proceeds to beat the hell out of this man who is nearly 70 years old at the time. Um, I mean, it it's a really troubling incident, and, and I'm trying to describe it, but, like, if you really, I mean... If you if, watch it, it's uncomfortable. It's I can't really, watch that. Yeah, no, it's really hard to watch. It's a it's a really... I've, I've watched it a couple of times, and that's pretty much all I think I ever need to. Um, You know, however you felt about the guy, and, you know, based on the context that Jack gives it, a little bit of a prickishness, sure, uh, does not justify going to town on a dude who's nearly 70 years old, because you can kill someone. At that age, uh, especially when you were at the peak of your physical, or you know, at, in the prime of your career. Um, and to that point, New Jack uh, was completely someone who did not care about the health of others or himself. Um, lost his vision in one eye um, towards the end of his life here because of a, a bump, I think, in the mid-aughts. Um, yeah, uh, a dangerous guy to work with. Um, loved yeah. wrestling on some level, and you kind of have to admire that. Sold the gimmick. Um, I mean, his theme is iconic. In certain ways, the New Jack character is like an all-timer character. Um, but in other ways, New Jack, the performer, is kind of like an all-time horror story, too. I, I prefer the Smoky Mountain incarnation of the gangsters. Uh, it's it's New Jack, Mustafa Saeed, and D'Lo Brown as their third. Uh, they belonged in ECW. Don't get me wrong. New Jack and Mustafa belonged in ECW. I was hyped when they got there because I loved the tag team division in ECW. But once it got away from tag teams of various styles and got to a more garbage wrestling type of federation, it's it's what hurt New Jack as well. And, and I, you know, I I, at the moment, forget why Mustafa was always in and out. I think it was mostly either money or because he wanted to actually do real wrestling as opposed to this. But New Jack and ECW fit. And I say that in both a good and a bad way in many, in many circumstances. 
Him uh, and Sandman kind of became the tropes of ECW. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But and Jack Raven. was like, I mean, you can watch him get drunk and talk about all that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I don't find those shoot interviews fun. That's the thing is I don't find them getting, you know, drunk and high and then just talking crap about people. I don't find that stuff fun. I, I just don't. Um, I don't find it as real as yes. I might have when I was younger and had like kind of a more naive sense of like, well, you know, when someone's drinking, they're saying what they're really thinking. But like, and the reality is, is when someone's drinking, yes, their inhibitions go away. But sometimes the thoughts that they are articulating are just as half-formed or as veiled or as masked you with know whatever. how much beer and weed you'd have to give the Sandman and him not be in control? <laughs> yeah. That tolerance level is pretty high, I think. Uh, it, bro, I, I mean, you'd have to show up with some like serious baked goods or something for, with the Sandman. Like, you're not, you're not going to get that guy. <laughs> you're not going to smoke a joint or any number of joints with Sandman and get him to a point where like he's lost control. Not, never going to happen. Never going to happen. In more serious news, uh, and in kind of a divergent of two countries, AEW planning live shows and going full crowd. If anybody watched AEW this week and didn't realize it was a hard push for tickets for double or nothing, but they are going to go on the road, two cities in Texas and one in Florida. Looks like WWE is going to ramp back up going on the road in July. Meanwhile, over in New Japan, nine wrestlers test positive for COVID-19. It Chris, is. I have teed this up for you, and I will let you go. Oh, man. I So you don't even know the folklore context, which is the second I saw that they are running in Garland, which I am literally on the town line of, and I am fully vaccinated. I was like, I'm going to wear my mask, uh, despite what the CDC says. I, you know, If I'm going to go and be in a herd of uh, a, you know, a thousand plus people, yeah, I'm going to you know, have a little bit of protective gear in, but I'm probably going to go and see this AEW show here in Garland. It's like five miles down the road. I, I feel fairly good about things, but I also, the tickets are 30 bucks and I will be monitoring the news and I will have absolutely no compunctions. Like let's say there's a flare up in Texas between then and now, um, like, cause the tickets I think are going on sale here in a couple of weeks. Uh, the show I believe is what in August, September, uh, I believe it's July, July. Yeah. I, or I mean, June. It's June. It's June or July. It's. Okay. It's very soon. It's very soon. Yeah, no, I know. The tickets work for Voices of Wrestling. I think we might be able to pick you up. <laughs> no, you know, here's the thing: the one of the there are upsides and downsides to being uh, the best kept yes. secret in Voices of Wrestling. Yes. Uh, the one of the downsides is you don't always get hooked up with the tickets, but some of the upsides are. <laughs> Uh, it's <laughs> oh, come on. Just because we're not part of the Slack chat doesn't mean they don't like us. No, no I, uh, I didn't say that. I didn't say they didn't no, like me. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> podcast, wrestling podcasting is not where the money is. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, and I thought about coming out for the uh, Austin show. Or it's right outside of Austin, I guess. I, I don't know, though. I'm still, <laughs> I'm getting my second shot in about two hours. So. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, when it's right down the street for me, it's, it's like, you know, I, I mean, look, I'm, 
going out and teaching. Like, I, I'm doing some things. It's not like you know, I'm living in a bunker, especially not now. Uh, I am so, living in a bunker, so. Well, you, like, look, I was basically living in a bunker until, you know, I got vaccinated because this, you just don't know. If you get it, you don't know how serious it can be, and it can be pretty darn serious, and I, I, I just yeah. didn't want to chance it. Um, but, yeah. I find no, it it's, interesting that Japan, which was praised for its masks, society and stuff like that as now i mean i think that's a reminder of how quickly things can turn around um because japan has actually over the last year have pretty darn low numbers um yeah much like korea uh which is uh, south korea which has done exceptional throughout this um you know much like north korea has 100 percent clean there's never been a case of covid uh, yeah, in that, north that's korea, a- according to the north korean government of course right right now i i will say just based on the the hermited nature of the population i bet you it's probably fairly low but they also might have other issues if they ever did have an outbreak um in the case of japan like yeah like they they were you know fairly aggressive with masking and social distancing and that sort of thing but i mean one, the diseases continue to mutate, and two, like it, you can, you can have a big super spreader event re- relatively quickly. Um, one of the things with like COVID super spreaders is like it's twenty percent of people, so like one out of every five persons essentially are potential super spreader type people. Um, so you can have you know, a situation on your hands, and and I think the other thing is we see this with wrestling. When you're this close and this on top of each other, yeah, you're here are the cats too. When you're this close and this on top of each other, you can have an outbreak really fast. Um, so that's an important <laughs> Cat has entered the chat. Uh, <laughs> hey, are you guys on TV? I want to be on. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I find it, uh, yeah. I, I wonder if, I wonder if just being that masked kind of, because it's an airborne pathogen, kind of hurt herd immunity. Although, you know, I'm not the biggest proponent of herd immunity necessarily, but you know, it's an airborne pathogen. It has to go around and then work itself out in some ways. But I am not a doctor nor an epidemiologist, so I don't know these things. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just yeah, it's complicated. Zelina Vega was shooting some video back at the Performance Center in Orlando. Oh, really? This week, rumors are that she is back with the company. Also, possibly rumored that one of the people that she will be uh, matched up with, she might be back at the NXT brand, so as probably to keep her social media stuff. But uh, she was filming some vignettes with one Simone Johnson, daughter of The Rock. Well... Uh, if she gets paired up with uh, Simone Johnson, that could be potentially a very lucrative pairing for Zelina Vega. Uh, it, yes, it could. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's that's a good. It's a this good place to be. This may shock you, but the company tends to take care of uh, relatives of the Rock. I I, I know it, it sounds strange, but uh... <laughs> I'm gonna think on that one a little bit more. It feels a bit bit hot of a take, but. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, she and... did lose the tag team titles this week, Chris, so she's no longer. Oh, Nia Jax, who is related to The Rock. Yeah, but, like, I mean, you could then flip it around and go, like, it got handed off to another legacy star and Tamina Snuka. That's and, true. And, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh, and that legacy, uh, that yeah, legacy yeah. is something, isn't it? Because uh, no offense to Tamina. Gotta, gotta uh, protect the legacy of Jimmy Snuka, I say. Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> gotta protect the legacy. Jeez. Oh, this show. Um... <laughs> 
Possible murderer, Jimmy Snuka. And uh, to, to finish off uh, the news before any ratings talk, which I don't have in front of me, uh, Alistair Black rumored to be moving to the Raw brand, which makes them running the vignettes on SmackDown. Makes so much sense. Dark Father. I, I'm, I can't wait to find out more about Dark Father. Uh, the, the weird slender man character that is hanging out behind Alistair Black. Uh, I'm waiting for mother. Yes. (laughs) They've made him into, he's like a better Bray Wyatt character at this point. Oh yeah. Sorry. I I remembered some Bray Wyatt news, but we got some Bray Wyatt news for sure too. Well, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Bray Wyatt's taking a mental health break. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, Dude, I just hope he gets well. Yeah. Yeah, same. No, I I mean, it's been, got to have been an emotionally exhausting year. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, part of it too, I don't want, you know, I I can't speak to his mental state. It's got to just be hard to have watched, as someone who's so close to Mr. Brody Lee, to have watched the AEW tribute show to Mr. Brody Lee, which was such a powerful and awesome wrestling show. And because of, like, contracts and, like, because... But more specifically, because Vince is the way he is. If Vince was a better man, Vince would have said to Bray, hey, dude, go and be on that AEW show for Brody Lee. I know how close you were to him. Like, if you want to go, you have my blessing to be there for as a one-night-only sort of thing. And instead, Bray had to kind of, like, watch it from the sidelines. And so he couldn't even really kind of participate in some of the grieving process. Um, so I, I just think, you know, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to have to lose a friend in isolation and not necessarily be in community um, when everyone else is getting to grieve in a co- kind of communal setting. Yeah, both uh, both the Tuesday and the Wednesday show down in viewers, which is uh, interesting. In Wrestling's bad, baby. Well, see, I, I, I try not to get into the ratings and viewer arguments because, yes, I know television is different now. Yes, I know you can have a niche show, and I'm trying not to judge it by when I was actually in television, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, AEW did under a million and also had, I believe, the second lowest number in their demo since debuting. NXT, I, I, I'm looking for, go ahead. Yeah, no, so I, I guess I, I'm with you, man. Um, and also to help you out with vamping okay, a little AEW, bit. Okay, AEW, 936,000, 18 to 49.31 in the demo. And I, I think that... What I want is not necessarily um, from the wrestling community an all-engrossing consideration and contextualization of the differences in television ratings from (laughs) the era of All in the Family and MASH, these, like, uber-mega shows that would, you know, gross, like, 30 million homes watching when the country only had 150 million people in it. So you're talking about, like, 20% of the actual population of the United States tuning in all their televisions to this one thing. I'm not expecting that. For professional wrestling. I'm not even expecting 90s numbers for professional wrestling. What I am wanting and desirous of from wrestling commentary and wrestling analysis is a consistent week-to-week sort of read on things. And so, like, if AEW had was breaking a million um, with some reliability a couple of weeks ago and has now downtrended over three to four weeks down to uh, like 900,000, that says something. Even if it's just about the fungibility of that lost audience of half a million people, like like certainly that would be a point of discussion as well too. Uh, that's some serious attrition if you want to go that route. I, but, I, I, but I want consistent 
reads on this stuff more than I care. It's not about to me who wins or loses. Um, the losers here are the people who are not consistently reading these numbers and trying, you know, being even handed with stuff. Well, um, but, I, I but these numbers aren't after great. A big show, I expect after a big show, people to watch for the follow-up. And that's what's worrying me is that uh, maybe we're doing too much big stuff that doesn't matter on this show, and we'll get to that in AEW talk. That, that would be the issue for AEW. I agree. The issue for like AEW the- is not that this is a down week for wrestling viewership. The issue for AEW is that they are on different rhythms from WWE. WWE has their pay-per-view let's call it this weekend whereas aew had their big event just last week and you want the follow-up and the lead into this to, to be hot and yeah when we get to the inner circle it's like for me we've gone from my peak interest was in the go home promo and now we're at like an absolute trough of my interest i don't think i've ever been less interested in the inner circle pinnacle stuff but yeah we got places to yeah, go still and then yeah uh, oh i had oh and the the one talking point that just i i don't like so and so is a draw, so and so isn't in these quarter hour type of things. I just because you don't know what everybody. Well, I mean, I guess you could use it for metrics and things like that. But but I also I don't think people necessarily go into watching these shows knowing that so and so is going to be on yeah. the show. You know, like I mean, what well, I review these shows every week, right? I think, um, and I have no idea. Who's coming up next whenever I'm watching these shows? Like, like I kind of like maybe generally know what to expect on the card this week. Like, oh, I'll see Kaylee Ray probably in the, the D block of this show. But, you know, I'm not waiting on bated breath necessarily for some of these anticipated arrivals. They're just ones that I kind of think might be coming up. Okay. <laughs> what? Kaylee Ray and AEW? Okay. No, oh, Kay- you uh, no, I'm saying Kaylee Ray is just an example of like who okay, would be coming okay. up on, on NXT UK here in the latter half of the show. It's not, eh. I mean, if I, in AEW, like, I, you know, it could be SCU, but like, it's not, whether it's SCU or, I mean, frankly, if I knew who was coming up, I'd be more likely to change the channel away. It would probably be more of a negative indicator than a positive one right now for me. NXT 697,000.17 in the demo. Chris, you had a theory that uh, I haven't heard a lot of people say, but I want to hear it. I think that raw fatigue hurts NXT. I think that the people who are really into wrestling, which is a smaller audience than the people who like watch Monday Night Raw, you watch Monday Night Raw and you decide if you're going to watch NXT live or if maybe you'll find a way to catch a replay of NXT in one way or another. Um, and I think that people just simply aren't interested in what NXT has to offer. One, because cool car kind of sucks. I think that does matter. I like the main, there's like, there's no kind of like really interesting angle going on in NXT right now. And NXT is not a hot show, but also I think raw is a drag, man. Uh, you and I were talking uh, about how, um, on Monday, when you have a case of the Mondays, shall we say, Raw is the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae that is uh, the crap-flavored ice cream that is Monday. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 like, Raw stinks, and, and if you're watching it live, it's sometimes three-plus hours of stinks. Um, and like that's agony, man. Like, why would I want to come back on Tuesday for more of that? Uh, I, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. Where do we want to start in our talk? Do we want to end with main roster and then go into the preview? Do we want to start with main roster and then go to the preview at the end? Hawkins, we've already let's 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 do ice cream. We already started talking about okay. ice cream. Let's do ice cream. The good, 
the good of the main roster to the stuff I enjoyed. So we're talking SmackDown. As follows. Yeah, we're talking SmackDown. <laughs> 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 uh, the Usos Roman story continues to be pretty darn good, I think, in terms yeah. of motivations and who's going to turn who and where. I get the strong feeling that this is going to be. At the end of the day, it's going to be Roman respecting Jimmy for standing up for himself and Jay for being a bitch. That's what I think is going to happen here. I, 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 it feels that way. It feels like that kind of, yeah, you're, you're a jerk, but I respect you more than this guy who's a lapdog type of thing. But I fear that this, this is the problem with this story. It is it's completely overshadowed in many ways the Cesaro title shot, I think. The Cesaro title shot is a MacGuffin for the Jimmy Uso storyline. And it makes Cesaro not feel like a credible challenger, no matter how much he whoops up on everyone in in this group. I I thought that Jimmy fighting with the knee brace actually didn't help Cesaro. Cesaro should have actually kind of annihilated Jimmy. Uh, And the one thing that was kind of weird about this SmackDown was... I get why Roman was trying to manipulate Jimmy to fight this fight against Cesaro, but like Roman's case to Jimmy as to why Jimmy should go and fight Cesaro actually makes no sense when Jimmy's like, I think Cesaro can beat you. And then Roman's like, well, then why don't you go and beat Cesaro? Which is actually a non sequitur response. (laughs) (laughs) It only makes sense if Roman believes that Jimmy could beat Roman. Otherwise, it's, it's completely incoherent in terms of a response. Well, on the other hand, just to completely deconstruct the entire story to make it less enjoyable for everybody. So Jimmy's point of view is that if he and Jay win the tag team titles, that would make them the head and of the Roman table. loses the world title, that then Paul Heyman becomes their special counsel and they are head of the table now. <laughs> I don't think that that's was, how that was very weird too. Tribe yeah, politics works, kids, but okay. So. Other than, so Jimmy doesn't necessarily have stupid baby face syndrome in this case. He has like disconnected from reality baby face syndrome, which is is a, is a an off strand, a variant, if you will, maybe a double variant of stupid baby face syndrome, but it's different. It's a different thing. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> if I kill the president of the company, I become president. No, that's not how that works. That's not how that works at all. What are you talking about? No, really, I do. I get his position. No, I, I mean, no you don't. Like, like it, it makes you go, okay, well, Jimmy, if you and Jay became, like, intercontinental and U.S. champions, but Roman lost the title, okay, then they, I guess they would be the head of the table. I guess. I guess. But, like, who would be the head of the table between the intercontinental champion and the United States champion? Exactly. There's a hierarchy of titles here. Also, I, I don't necessarily think the uh, new Jimmy Uso t-shirt's going to move a bajillion units. I, I can't see parents lining up to buy that t-shirt for their kids. What, what do you want for your eighth birthday, Johnny? I love I want the Usos! Bitch. I love the Usos! I want their shirts! Right-hand man! Nobody's bitch! I want them both! although we might get back into that late 90s kids getting suspended from school for wearing wrestling t-shirts boom that we've all been waiting for for wearing nobody's bitch shirts yeah well right right hand man has a double entendre too that that would be yes yes we've gone over the the joan osborne 
Uh, corollary to that, shout out to Andrew Rich, who also made that joke before me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thousands of middle schoolers suspended for wearing Usos t-shirts. That's that's what that's what that's what'll bring. This you know what they would back. call that? They would call that the Uso Penitentiary. Well, I I think. <laughs> Also, I think the WWE, if that happened, they would love every second of that. See, we're in the pop, we're pop culture relevant. Finally, we're getting kids suspended from school because we believe, we believe children for should stand up for themselves, despite in loco parentis. <laughs> First amendment should apply to children too. And they should be nobody's bitch to any. And if there's ever a word to make a first amendment stand on bitch, <laughs> it's that's the one worth fighting for. Vince coming out with a pre-show promo. <laughs> Bitch has a long lineage of being <laughs> effeminate and to men, and just, just the most tone deaf statement <laughs> ever. That's what I want. Uh, give that to me, Chris. Damn it! It, it is. Book it, it is really. It is weird and disconnected from like the time we are in to see WWE be so obsessed with this word as like a writing tool, as a, as a plot intensifying device or whatever. The worst thing you can do is question somebody's manhood, and when you call them a bitch, you question their manhood. Or, or even for a woman to call another woman a bitch too. I mean, like that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 all. I mean, he likes to go that route as well. Uh, it's it's just a weird it's, it's anachronism. It's the main event swear word of choice. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, and all women hate each other secretly. You know that that's a WWE trope. It's a, it's a Vince trope, not a WWE trope. But uh, so I okay oh. to go back to Roman real quick though. I yeah. think that Roman's acting and like you know his ability to deliver some of these promos and stuff. Sometimes you know like the I'm your tribal chief stuff can be a little hammy or whatever. But like I think that this character has allowed him to explore like manipulation and subtlety and nuance. He's getting better. Yeah. He's getting no, better as an I actor. I enjoy watching him work through his character a little bit here. And I, I almost kind of would love it to be just, just like, let, let these guys kind of work out what this thing's actually about at this point. And like, let's drop necessarily the taglines and the acknowledge me. And st- we, I, we get it. We get what's going on here. Um, yeah, just downplay it a little bit and let Roman explore the space a little more. Number one, it seems like he's taking some acting lessons, which seems pretty cool. But also, they moved away from conspiracy theorist Roman. Yes. Which, which was, you insulted me, which means you insulted my children, which means you insulted my grandchildren, which means you don't want them to ever grow up to have a career, which makes you, it's like that kind of thing where he was just kind of spiraling out of control through future generations where his children would be tribal chiefs by holding the intercontinental title for some reason. Um, the other thing I really liked, not the promo in total, but that moment when our girl, aunt Pam turned on the seriousness and, and, and was talking directly to Bianca about you remind me of me and I'm going to end your reign. I was like, this is all I want. Out of basic wrestling promos, I just want you to look at the camera and say how you feel about the other person, and I want you to be serious. Once she got away from the laughing and stuff, what a tonal switch that was! No, I know when she switched into that second gear, I was like, "Oh, well, this is actually good," and I really like this Bailey character. 
Uh, the the cackling, which is another yes. WWE trope. Like they they found it with Seth Rollins. They're like, this is great. People love this. Uh, and now they have Bailey do it. And they have a bunch of other people do a laugh. You know, uh, I guess maybe they found it initially with Ted DiBiase, but uh, but like now it really is like this big thing. When Bailey got away from that and like seriesed up, and when she was like, "You remind me a lot of me when I got my first title and when I was wearing my glitter and everything like that." But the, there's a shift in the tone of her voice that was like earnest for for you know to go back to our tagline here. Like there was like a there's an authentic quality and an authentic note to her voice when she was delivering those lines even though they were all obviously worked lines uh that i think works so much better for this heel character that bailey is trying to be versus the mm-hmm. over-the-top mustache twisting stuff the eyes squinted a little bit which was nice you know kind of the focus on there it's the same problem i have with sasha because i love you know, we both love sasha banks but when she gets into that heel boss i'm the boss i'm the and she's just doing the tail she can turn the switch or flip the switch and go serious. And that's when she's at her best, when she's speaking from how much wrestling means to her and how much she wants to basically blow everybody out of the water, including her friends in a match and things like that's what, but when she's doing, there's a certain disconnect with almost every character on this roster where, you know, they have to do this is, this is the hook that I've been given by the boss. And then as soon as they can get past that and actually talk, then you go, oh, oh, okay, they can do this. And it's, it's always a revelation, even though it shouldn't be. It, it's, it's something that I, you know, but because they're into camp and spectacle, it's like, yes, Seth has to, <laughs> you know, turn the mustache. But then he goes and does that promo with, with Roman, where there's all that subtext of them being together in the shield. And then, okay, you... T- they're two mob bosses talking and he's like, take care of the boys in your organization or I'll have to. And then Roman's not going to back down going, you can't tell my boys what to do. I'll take care of you. If you end up interfering in my business. And it's like, Oh, we got the five families meeting kind of like Godfather. It's like, Oh man, this is great. There are those, there is that potential there in every angle they do. Like a guy like Seamus. You got me thinking now. I think I know where we're going here. With this Cesaro angle, is we're having Seth Rollins pop back up here at the pay per view. That the Jimmy J stuff is the red herring, and we're gonna have Seth as the fourth character introduced here, and that is going to make Jimmy have to make a decision, and or Jay have to make a decision. And then, uh, other than that, the rest was ridiculousness. <laughs> there's 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 no reason for Natty and Tamina, who I believe are both heels. <laughs> not it, no, not no, no, no. Now that they had Tamina like color up and do the neon stuff, that she's got the baby face neon on, so she's like a baby face warrior now. Uh, and obviously, you know, paying tribute to her beloved father. <laughs> yeah, 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 multiple times. That boy, that was awkward. No, uh, I'm laughing at that Natty promo because it oh, was just the most. Ridiculous. Oh, if you if you don't give good, up on your dreams, good God, <laughs> no, get, give these people like, the the slammy for best acting of the year. Acting like this tag team win <laughs> meant anything at all in any level in any way, shape, or form. That if you get had 37 chances at a if you get 37 chances at a title at a meaningless you two tag might title win one <laughs> you might eventually beat Nia J- legendary wrestler Nia Jax 
and her tag team partner, <laughs> Shayna Baszler, who's pretty good. Uh, whose but- gimmick, whose whole gimmick is she doesn't know the rules of wrestling. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, but plus, Eddie and Tamina were established as a heel veteran tag team to go into this division. And now all of a sudden they're doing crying promos, even though they are 20 year ve- veterans apiece and should be, should be like, Hey, <laughs> there was never any, any angle where it's like, they don't still have it anymore. They don't, they it would have, I mean, it would have been one thing and it would have been an interesting and kind of aggressive angle, but, it, but an angle, if over the last several weeks, a number of the uh, heel Younger wrestlers on the on the roster have been going up to Natty and Tamina and kind of like going like I think you guys are washed. I think you guys need to move on. Uh, I think it's time. You know, uh, why don't you clear out and make some space for some of the new talent here, something like that. And then for Natty and Tamina to win the titles and act like we still got it. We're still here. This is not over. Come and get it. We're the champions now. Um, they didn't earn any of that. So like all of this felt very like weird and forced and artificial. Um. I mean, I'll tell you what. I'm excited about Baby Champ too. Uh, Rey Mysterio and Dominic, white hot angle. Uh, like God love. You gonna call me Baby Champ? Baby Champ, Baby Champ, Baby Champ, Baby Champ, yeah. Um, so like, can you read that on the paper and go? Let's workshop that one a little bit. God, you can call me Champ is a cool line. You can call me Baby Champ. Yeah, you're trying to use the insult against them, but it doesn't work. Baby Champ also implies not full champion. I want a baby as a champ, though. Now I want. They tried that with Nicholas and Braun Strowman. It it wasn't as good as you thought. Like I want, like I want, like a a toy infant to be thrown at people. <laughs> oh, nothing else on on the main roster interested me, and we'll do our preview in a moment. Yeah, uh, a- AEW. Let's cleanse the palate a little bit, uh, somewhat. This was a show with six different moments, and they wanted to get to them all for the hard sell for the ticket. Nothing had emotional resonance. That SCU cutaway to the back. I think you had a really, really good point about this, Chris, as we were talking this week. Yeah, so they wanted to have a number of different angles on this, but SCU, when they lose the title, we need to linger on SCU losing the title, or when they lose the title shot, we need to linger on SCU having to disband and the end of it, particularly the injustice of it. Commentary should be upset about this. Maybe Shivani... Or like Raw should be like, let's go to a commercial. I, I, I you know, like some, so, someone needs to be upset about the injustice. When we go backstage, we need to see Daniels, um, or Kazarian, probably Daniels. I just feel like he works better for this. And Daniels needs to be running into the young babyface roster that looks up to this guy. And every one of those baby faces who had heretofore had. Uh, not, I mean, obviously Omega's the champion, but they didn't have a strong compunction about the new bullshit club, Kenny Omega, um, faction or whatever until now. Um, now they see what happened to Daniels goes there could go me and what a horrible way to treat this wrestler. Um, God, Kenny Omega has changed. And, And like, the person I think it would be the most kind of useful person to move this through would be Orange Cassidy, a guy who tries to have constant chill 
Um, and here's an opportunity for you to show that underneath the kind of constant chilled demeanor is actually a sense of justice. And like now, Orange Cassidy, who, oh, by the way, we were trying to push to be a main event talent last year. That was the whole point of the Jericho <laughs> angle. Now, Orange Cassidy has a reason to be going after the o- Omega title. This could have been a tremendous opportunity to make Omega more palpably hated. But what has to happen is, for the rest of the show, this has to be like the wraparound angle. that The, the injustice that happened to Daniels and Kazarian. Um, the fact that there's no recourse. The fact that people then go like, okay, well, I'm going to just beat the hell out of Kenny Omega. And maybe have the Bucks, Omega, and uh, the, the other two guys, Gallows and Anderson, uh, Powder, have to leave... Uh, AEW like in their limousines because they're being chased out of town but but whatever you do you gotta make this matter um and and I don't know crazy thought here maybe don't do it during the commercial break and maybe don't oh look Eddie Kingston and John Moxley have thrown clothes out of a locker that's not really not really an appropriate response but yeah there's three other guys at ringside and that should be the story they should tell from the get-go. You know, hey, I don't want to wrestle the Young Bucks as long as they got their cronies out here who are just going to cheat for them. Blah, blah, blah. That's that's another stupid babyface move that you just watch and you go, why would you ever do that? Why would you? I mean, one manager, you know, you kind of can get away with a babyface one because, you know, oh, he's his manager. He's supposed to be out there, whatever. You got three other guys out there. It's just, it's one of those things in modern storytelling. You got to go after now, that's yeah, actually I, another good point you could have had the baby faces backstage feeling guilty now, now the, the way you explain this is backstage now all these baby faces are looking at daniels and kazarian and feeling a sense of guilt that they mm-hmm. need to actually kind of like get comeuppance on omega and, and the club um because they screwed up here that they want to actually kind of like right the cosmic wrong that they are in part responsible for yes um this yeah. should, they should have they should have Company wide, uh, what's the like the the puddle the implications. R- the effect. Yes, implications? Yes, There's yes, yes. It, 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 it's show wide implications. It's a wraparound angle. It should be a motivating inflection point for the entire company. And I think part and of the problem it was to the back. It was part pure of the problem TNA. with that, Jeff. Part of the problem with that, Jeff, is right now this show. And I think that there are political reasons that I don't fully understand, so I'm not going to expand on further, but I do see it on my screen. Um, mm-hmm. This show right now, everything's like the um, the lower decks of the Titanic, where you have like these little like ice boxes and like everything is sectioned off. Um, yes. So you can't write an angle that ripples through everyone's angles because there are lots of little sandboxes and lots of little fiefdoms. Um, yep. and, and those fiefdoms... So-and-so has this half hour, so-and-so has this half hour, so-and-so and we, has and, this And thusly, hour. we would never think to incorporate an angle through multiple different half hours with implications even though it's not taking over our entire angle because that would require a lot of um united nations like work between the different fiefdoms and i don't think that work is possible right now i don't believe as much in that because i mean i get it it's a story it's worth telling i can ask if it's true i I just choose not to but tony khan's the guy who makes the final decision He's the guy that needs to take control. If if the VPs are setting up beef dumps and stuff, he he has to take control of that stuff. And he's the guy who makes the final decisions on stories, and he's the booker. 
So well, you it. would agree with me that the TV show does feel often like symptoms, yes. right? Yes. So, so like I, I can't. I the... can't tell you what's happening behind the scenes. I'm just telling you in front of the curtain, yes. it feels like symptoms yes. right now. Yes. It, it, as I said, it goes well. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10% off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network this this show has had a jcp segment it's had an indie segment it's had a wwe segment and it feels and it feels like you know Different companies get their own homage, of course, based on probably the person who's running the segment. And yeah, it feels very disjointed. Speaking of which, the pinnacle come out. Tully. (laughs) Tully gives a great promo about not quitting, which I love as a throwback. Not a lot of people picked up on that, but that whole, that was a story for two years after the Magnum TAI quit match was that Tully never quit. Tully never quit. Gives them watches, much like the old horseman angle. Screw the catwalk on again. Yes. Uh, you know, screw the hard cam, Tully. That's what I love about him. He just gives no Fs about that hard camera. Uh, and then we get the homage to the Austin. Austin beer truck, angle milk truck. 
Jericho's back after a week. We're setting up from War Games to do Stadium Stampede. The Sammy th- and Jericho stuff is like a complete non-plot point in how they, there's utter cohesion among the inner circle, despite the fact that the reason they lost was because of not being in cohesion. There's no explanation mm-hmm. as to, like, is Jericho upset that Sammy said, I quit, even though Jericho was like, don't do it? Or is Jericho, like, are we mad at Sammy? Or are we mad at Jericho? I mean, like, like none of that's explained, set up. It's not teased on any level. The bubbly truck was goofy, and they had a hard time on commentary even getting the call right on the bubbly truck, so this is not like a moment to remember in terms of commentary. Like, oh, it's water. No, it's not water, you dope. It's the champagne. Oh, and like... Then we get more pr- <laughs> we get more Pratt falling, and God, God knows, nothing gets a top level faction over. And just ask the inner circle, like Goofy Pratt falling, um, in some sort of sticky liquid. Uh, I I will I will push back against that. The problem is the pinnacle have not been built up enough to be this classy horseman type thing for three, four, five, six months, where they're never one-upped where they're never talked down to where Jericho's not making the snide remarks or whatever to have that kind of heft where then, because look, those horse, that horseman era that you're talking about though, the horseman came out and they would take over the commentary booth and they grab the microphone and they would do like a five or 10 minute promo. And Oh, by the way, the horseman stuff would then be the wraparound for the entire show. Um, so like, you know, you're right. Um, and so making the horseman show some ass in that context makes a ton of sense because they're on your TV all the time. You've built it up and you've built them up as having this guy. And, it, you know, it's the Marx Brothers going into Margaret Dumont's high society type thing or whatever and wreaking havoc type thing. It, it's a time-honored class struggle type of statement type thing where, you know, the blue-collar guys go into the white-collar guys and make them look stupid. I get that. This is just, hey, we had this great idea in WWE, let's do this here. And it felt lazy to me. And I, they're going to treat, if the inner circle wins Stadium st- Stampede, they're going to treat this like, oh, and now they don't have to break up. This is a monumental victory. And you juxtapose that with what they just did with SCU. <laughs> and you're just like, why is this one more serious than the guys who were actually in a group for 15 years or so, you know, a partnership for a long time type thing? I just, it's it's not hitting the right uh, I'm notes wor- I'm worried that they might actually win. And, and that would oh, really narrow yeah, no, narratively, that would make no sense because it's like yes. the whole point of the blood and guts finish is to show a lack of cohesion um, and, and to a certain extent, sort of like, you know, just a rift between Sammy and Chris Jericho that like maybe is irreconcilable. Maybe it's a tragic irreconcilability or whatever. We, you know, could wish that these two guys could get on the same page and we could tell a whole story around that. We're like, we like Jericho, we like Sammy, but for some reason, almost like Luger and Sting, they can't get along. And it's that tragedy that drives us crazy as fans. Um, Like, there's a way of doing that. Chris, he's back after one week after falling through quote unquote concrete. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And they want the rematch. They don't even have Santana back. They want the rematch. Like, 
MJF didn't even make them wait a week on the stipulation. He announced yeah. it right at the end of the promo. I, I mean, I, I, what's crazy for me is how I went from in the go home promo for Blood and Guts. I was like, dude, you know what? This pinnacle little circle thing has been a little hit or miss, a little herky jerky, the triple double cross, quadruple cross. I, you know, super secret M. Night Shyamalan swerved you stuff to get to pinnacle versus inner circle. Okay, little goofy, that go-home promo ruled. Top-notch stuff. Blood and Guts match. Pretty great match. All things considered, minus the little finish and obviously some of the narrative points that we discussed, but the actual work in the match, enjoyable. Give me more inner circle and pinnacle, generally speaking. We got to this this promo this week. I'm like, dude, I'm done with this. Like, like I, I, The beer truck thing was a totally unearned homage. It was a stupid Omar. It was lame, too. It didn't look good, which is another big problem with AEW. They keep trying to do these big visual moments, and if you can't make the visual moments look good, stop doing the visual moments. And this was another example of a visual moment that looked low-rent. It didn't add to the angle. It was poorly timed. Um, And, yeah, I, I think that's a big problem for them. That's a recurring problem across multiple, across multiple fiefdoms. Bad looking special effects. Yeah, and you juxtapose that with the hard-hitting action of the opening match between Nagata and Fox, which I that was a lot. hoot. I liked yeah. that match a lot. for I, when they said it was like eight minutes and something uh, seconds at the end. I was like, didn't oh. feel like it. No. Didn't feel like it. No, it was fun. Eugene Nagata still got it. Loved uh, the mutual respect thing. Wild thing as Moxley's theme song. It, homage to Onita. Homage yes. to Onita. I know. My I only no- my only knock on it is uh, that it reminds me of Charlie Sheen. Um, otherwise, actually, I, I like it for him. I just like I just think anything that makes people associate you with Charlie Sheen is one of those things that ought to be avoided without unless you have a really oh, darn I good reason. R- Ricky Vaughn's a great character. He's an absolutely fantastic character. That's what they I'm not saying. With, Ricky Vaughn. Yeah, I'm not saying Ricky Vaughn's a bad character from Major Charlie League Sheen. Yes, Charlie's years. a bit of a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will defend this Cody Rhodes promo. Uh, okay. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. I know. I, I, I know. Will not. I know. Look. Look. I will. I'll defend it because he's he's pulling. He's look. I'm I'm all for a little bit of soft jingoism against the British. You know, we fought for independence against them. I saw what he was doing. You still, you and still have that against them. You often relay that to me. You. I don't know that you've ever actually gotten over that. I haven't gotten over it. And plus, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, also, I got personal issues with the British. <laughs> But no, I, I like the British. Don't, no, it's don't, good don't to put your priors out there. No, it's good to put your priors out there. I have I have issue against one British person. Um, <laughs> I, look, he was trying to wrap up, you know, a unity speech by invoking politics. That didn't work for me. It was clunky. You know, the 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 race thing. I thought, okay, it's a little schmaltzy, but he's being schmaltzy for a point. And the point is, he's going to be Apollo Creed at Double or Nothing. He's going to get killed by this Anthony Agogo person. And I am, I'm here for that. I'm here. I want him. I want them to buy the rights to living in America. And I want him to do the full Apollo Creed dance with dancers and singers and a James Brown tribute band. I want the whole damn thing on double or nothing. And if it were in Vegas, it would have been even better. If it were in Vegas, they could have done the entire Rocky four thing. I want him in the top hat, in the USA shorts, and then I just want Anthony Agogo to punch him in the gut. One, two, three. That's it. If he dies, he dies. 
Okay. I the the <laughs> Apollo Creed imagery at the end is is is, is compelling stuff. I I, I got to give you that. Uh, however, I will pat myself on the back here for saying a couple of weeks ago that when they introduced this politics stuff with Anthony Agogo, that it was a path of peril, that they were entering into fraught waters, that it was not necessarily going to enhance the storyline, and that it was probably best left to the wayside. Because it doesn't really make sense with QT and the broader Nightmare Factory stuff. Um, there's still a, It's hard to reconcile the U.S. versus U.K. stuff with the broader Cody Rhodes versus the Nightmare family thing that is going on here. Too many things going on at once on that level. Then we get to the actual substance of Cody Rhodes' promo. Um, I, I think that it is, it is tough in this particular moment that we are in right now to, <laughs> to unify around certain like kind of competitive enemies, like, you know, uh, with the Russians in the 1980s, like we were competing at some in Olympics and stuff too. I mean, like broadly speaking, I, I don't have old Pew polls in front of me or old uh, Reuters or Gallup polls in front of me, but I bet you, if you like looked at what public opinion polling was for popularity of Russia as a nation state in the 1980s, it'd probably be maybe around 20 or 30%. Um, and so, so when you're doing a promo like that, it is kind of easy to unify a broad political spectrum, especially when you're talking like amorphous unity themes too. Everyone likes to think that they're part of the getting along bunch. Um, it's perhaps part of the problem with unity rhetoric rhetoric in some cases. Um, and, and but, like, in the context of a wrestling promo, this is kind of pretty innocuous stuff. You, you do use the unity stuff. You get everyone behind it. Because here in America, we respect the differences. We get along. Some of that stuff just rings kind of hollow right now. Uh, I, yeah. I think a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it doesn't. Part of that, though, too, is when you're delivering kind of one of those jingoistic promos or whatever. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. Actually, his dad's a great example. When Dusty's going, a computer took your job, daddy. Um, he's speaking <laughs> to a fundamental truth. Most of that promo is speaking to a lived experience of a wide swath of that audience. Um, and is able to kind of forge identity in that sense. So I think, like, you know, his Democrat, Republican, left-right politics stuff, those notes are off. But then we get to the... The stuff about him, Brandy, his child, like this weird idea of like we're getting over race stuff, which is very weird when you're talking about Anthony Agogo too, who is, uh, you know, a man of non-white identity. I think he's mixed race, um, coming from the UK, and like, what are you trying to say to Agogo that like in the UK they don't have racial tensions and racial issues? I think that would be news to a lot of people uh, who are racial minorities in the United Kingdom. What are you trying to say that you and Brandy getting together and having a kid is us, you know, m you know, finally kind of getting over the hurdle is, is indic indicative of the United States getting over the hurdle? If, if the argument is, look, we're trying to work on stuff as a nation state and I'm part of that work or whatever. Okay, that was not the tone of the promo, though. What what the tone of the promo was is me and Brandy are examples of how the United States is getting past this stuff. It was a and, it was a political ad tone that he was trying yeah. to. You know, you yeah. might as well have had the American flag flying in the background. Apple, uh, especially pie, when you say yeah, the, the it's not the England dream; it's the American dream. The the sort of 
implication there in particular when we pivot into the brandy cody stuff is and oh by the way the united states is the exemplar for how race relations should work globally speaking bing and i think that would be news to a lot of people i i liked him pointing out a go-go's hypocrisy that part i was fine he's coming here to make the money as opposed to if he hates it so much here why is he here using us to fill his coffers with you know what's funny though is I would I would even go so far as to say that, that argument's like kind of like not structurally sound. I've heard some people. Oh, it's think, not. But I liked it. No, I've heard some people <laughs> think that maybe Rhodes is going heel in the wake of this promo. I think we've been teased with that in a number of different match scenarios, and so I don't know that I buy that. But if they. Also, here's the other problem with that. If they try to make Rhodes heel coming out of this, how do you reconcile that against the Nightmare Factory stuff? You'd almost need to have, like, the Nightmare Factory leave a go-go on an island, um, and then Rhodes starts working dastardly against well, a... Uh, I, I don't think you can let me, double let me turn your the, way out of this. Let me point out the disconnect, because I, I know the disconnect, and it's very easy to, to see. When Dusty cut these promos, came out, denim shirt, blue jeans shirt was unbuttoned had a cowboy hat or whatever dumb hat he picked that week to he wear. looked like, he like you i guess blue collar joe uh, <laughs> cody is coming out in an exquisitely tailored suit probably a silk tie silk shirt and his and it comes off with him, especially his deadpan. His deadpan when he's not trying to get comes off as heelish. It comes off as heelish. So and, and actually, what, to your point, when he brings up his wife, you go, oh, you know, I think he's trying to bring up his wife, like in the context of like racial diversity. But he brings up his wife, and you're like, oh yeah, your really hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I you my really hot your wife? Coverage on that one, brother. Am I supposed yeah. to be able to? <laughs> Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. Sure, yeah, you do have a really good looking wife. on the sex with the hot woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that supposed to make me like you more? <laughs> yeah, uh, one thing I really did like on this show, I liked the Miro, the final, uh, the final match there. Him and Darby, I think, work well together. I think yes. Miro has been born again hardcore, which I like a lot. And my, my one step that I would do in this story is I would want Ethan page and Scorpio sky to be expecting a thank you. And I want mirror to kill them both. Mm -mm. I, uh, I, I like Miro as a, a different type of champion for this company, um, to work a a stronger, harder, (laughs) stiffer style of match. Um, one of the problems with like Allen and Omega as, as your two kind of respective singles champions is they're both small guys, um, and so it didn't necessarily open up kind of a maximum amount of pairings. Now your problem with Miro and Omega as champions kind of concurrently is that you've got two heels. So it it can be okay for kind of building a ladder, I guess. But, I you know, at some point, the answer here is to get the belt off of Omega. But that that's a different conversation. Yeah, and they got to figure out how to make make somebody worth taking the belt off of him for. And the problem right now is the guy that should be doing it is Adam page. And he's kind of stuck in this weird story. Where it's like, Oh yeah, I lost. It's like, I, I get that they're doing long-term storytelling here, 
Seems to be a little bit too long term that they've done. Yeah, uh, but bo- bo- <laughs> there's long term storytelling, and then there's meandering. And yes. the Dark Order stuff is is on a meander at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. It's I don't really fully understand the characters, and I I mean I know. They like to point this out on commentary too. If I only watched all of the adjunct shows, I would I would surely understand everything that is going on on this program. Uh, you know, if, I, if only I had the video game you buy strategy all the guide, supplemental material, yeah. it'll all make sense to you as you look. Up. No, 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 no. That's not how uh, this when, when I you know when I buy the product, I want the product to be the product. I don't need, I, w- I won't have to deal with a bunch of supplemental materials to make this thing work out. If I want that, I'll read James Joyce again. Um, oh, but, God. but a- a- absent that, no, you're not going to just get, get by by reading the uh, primary text on James Joyce. You need, you need supplementals. But uh, if I want to deal with that crap, that's where we're going. Uh, when I'm watching wrestling, I don't want to have to deal with, uh, textual analysis, thinky pieces to help me get through what I'm watching here. Here's some Faulkner kids. Um, <laughs> Ezra yeah, let's, Pound. Uh, <laughs> let's get through uh, because I'm 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 eyeing the time and, and oh yeah sure I gotta go for the uh, thing. But let's get through the two NXTs and our preview. I thought NXT ever since moving to USA, this is one of their stronger shows because it cut out a lot of the crap, but it still had some of the crap. But it had a couple of good matches in here. It had some good stuff, but man, they are, they are full on into WWE with yellow ropes right now in many, many ways. This Cameron Grimes running joke story. I don't see it having an, I enjoy. No, no, it's not a running joke because a running joke's funny. And and this, this is just like literally like a recurring motif at this point. It's not even, I couldn't, I would not even classify it as a running joke. I liked the introduction of Swerve Scott's new stable. I think that was impressive. They look good. They introduced they every good. character. They introduced their role in this. They introduced who they were. Perfect little type of thing. They could have done it in a vignette. They did it live. I didn't I didn't find this. Up to a point, I liked the Mercedes Martinez Raquel Gonzalez match. It seemed like after that first first stanza, they kind of lost their way a little bit, but this was a fun match, I thought. I I, I like Mercedes Martinez a lot. She brings that certain tough credibility to a division that can sometimes be seen as too choreographed. And, and I like that about her and, and Renee or Raquel is still learning. So, you know, being in there with a veteran like that, she looked good. I thought, um, Leon Ruff is a jerk. <laughs> Leon Ruff. How do you feel any sympathy for this guy going in there? He, he's, He's a rabid dog. He is one of the now. worst characters that they have come up with in a long time. Uh, he he a- <laughs> they completely blew the load with him on the babyface journey, and in, in insofar as like if you're actually going to write a story about this guy who got this title shot he absolutely did not deserve and like won this title that he did not deserve to win and it drove him crazy this would be a fantastic story yes that's not yes. the story that they're doing with Leon yeah. Ruff and that's what makes this suck if this is actually a calculated move this would be fantastic like I really do love the idea of like this guy has this like fluke moment the one hit wonder like like, like the, the wrestling equivalent of a one hit wonder and having been that one hit wonder 
it is driving them insane now because they don't understand what lightning they put in a bottle about themselves that one night where they were able to beat the champion. They don't know how they're going to put it back together. And slowly but surely, it breaks them bad. They become a horrible person because they're willing to do anything to get back the glory, to get back their precious. Like, if that was what we were doing with Leon Ruff, that'd be awesome. Um, it's not what we're doing. He's just a goober. And, like, from week to week, he's, like, petulant and whiny. And they, they think they're making him tough or intimidating by, like, having him have a shit fit on William Regal. But, like... When Regal was like, don't touch the, the, the uh, pound thing. And, like, Ruff's like, all right, I won't do it. I won't do it. Like, all right. I mean. He we'll doesn't have a friend trying to bring him off the edge. That's nope. the thing that's missing. So he's not going to be able to have a redemption story. And then he goes out. <laughs> Although this is a nice little bit of storytelling. Is that William Regal cannot stop a guy from answering an open challenge. But Pete Dunne should have just instantly <laughs> broke that dude's arm and sent him on his way. Get out of here, you geek. Yeah, you get, I like I, he, this Ruff. is the worst part about the the Dunn match was he didn't really light up Pete Dunn or anything either. Like like he didn't no. go no, like when he at minimum for the first I would say 5 minutes of that match we should have seen Leon Ruff angry, nearly in tears, and just lighting Pete Dunne's world on fire. And then only Lorcan or someone has to get involved to, sh- like, basically, like, kind of shut down Ruff to get, like, done back in control here. Mm-hmm. Um, l- no, but, like, he... If you're going to get over this angry little man crap gimmick for Leon Ruff, like, angry little man needs to lose his mind on somebody, and people need to actually be scared of the Chihuahua when he goes rapid. I don't want cool Kyle. I want badass dojo Kyle from like ROH type of thing. I just Kyle can be Bobby. cool without having to force the issue on how cool he is. Yes. If you're cool, Kyle you don't also tell needs people a cool, how cool theme you are. song. If Kyle was cool, he would listen to better music. Yes. He, yeah, he would demand that his theme song doesn't suck because he's cool, and cool people do not want to have uncool music associated with them. Bobby Fish comes back, not in ult- not in undisputed era gear, as I'm a little disappointed that he just come and go. Hey, where is everybody? But the uh, oh, we're not era, doing this anymore. We're- <laughs> hold, hold on. Yeah, I know you got your own thing. But <laughs> just take a mic and say it as both. <laughs> I have fr- my own scores to settle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what did Bobby Fish do to do anything in this whole thing? It was all Roddy and, and Adam Cole. I mean, Fish is just coming back for his boy and they have to act like they're, they're uneasy with each other. Yeah. And also yelling across the ring because, as you know, true friendship, Chris is yelling three feet away from the, the dumb, The dumbest of foreshadowing, they're obviously going to have a match at some point. And like, yes. like, yeah, like the dumbest of foreshadowing. The other issue, like O'Reilly's nodding along like, oh yeah, you have your own scores to settle. I'm nodding along at home going, what scores? What scores? Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah please, 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 no, Kyle, like, like, loop me in here. You seem to know what's up. I, tell me more. Who wronged Bobby Fish in all this? Because as I recall... Bobby Fish got hurt because of uh Who wronged Bobby Fish sounds like a 1930s murder mystery. <laughs> like <laughs> Stunning. Who Action, wronged like, Bobby Fish? Bobby Fish. 
Starring James Cagney and Edward G. Robinson in his most challenging role as Robert Fish, a man on the wrong, <laughs> a man on the wrong side. Yeah, not a like man the wrong from side the other of the side of the tracks. Yeah, Barbara Just the Stanwyck as the Barbara Stanwyck as his girlfriend, who's been loyal to him as he tries to change his criminal ways. Oh, Robert, I've been with you this entire time, but I worry that you'll never unwrong yourself. I love being on the wrong side. Those men did me dirty. Yeah, which men? Yeah. Which men? You've been saying that for a while, but you never tell me which men. Those men did me dirty. Who, who wronged Bobby Fish? Who wronged Turner, Bobby Fish? Turner Classic Movies, 2 a.m. on a Wednesday. That's <laughs> <laughs> Ben Mankiewicz talking about the ben legacy <laughs> of who wronged Bobby Fish. <laughs> Impromptu Shake the Ropes Theater. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's all I have for NXT. Did you have anything oh, else? Oh, no. Kushida and Santos Escobar was like a cool little match. I like that those guys. It was fun. It was a fun yeah. match. It, yeah, just, fun. it just didn't register yeah. with me, I guess, because nothing no, Kushida I- does. It didn't register because you knew, like, you're not going to just toggle it back to, to mm-hmm. Santos. And so, like, I, the one problem I have sometimes, and this is the same problem I had with Rey Mysterio and Ziggler, is, like, when I, like, looked up and I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this a little bit. They, that was, like, a better-than-average worked match for especially those two guys if I'm, like, really kind of putting out, like, my Cartesian plan and graphing out where I think, like, Mysterio's performances have been and stuff. But because you know how these matches are going to go. You just can't let yourself really get into them. Um, and, and, like, I love Santos Escobar. And I actually think this new iteration of Kushida is fresh, and he's doing a few different things, too, match-style-wise. So, absolutely no knock on either two of those guys. Can't wait to see each one of those individuals next matches with whoever. I'm guessing Kushida and Swerve. Um, and that'll be a fun little match. Um, and Santos and whoever he's with, or Legato and whatever they're doing. Looking forward to all of that. Just, you know, these two guys together at this point. Meh, let's move it on. Mako Satamura is now your number one contender again for the NXT UK women's title. So we just got back to where we were before. Love Mako. Isla Dawn gets two wins. Just two wins too many. <laughs> Gotta keep Isla Dawn strong. Uh, Ginny uh, uh, why and Mako. Why is a great question. Yeah, why? Ginny and Mako were great together, I thought, though. that was, That's a match I want to see no, longer. That, that's I just also a- why I'm like, why are we overbooking Isla Dawn when Ginny is clearly your number two heel on this brand? And Isla Dawn... Mm-hmm. Her relevance really only exists as a henchwoman to uh, Kaylee Ray. That's like why she's relevant. But Isla Dawn is not the number two heel woman on this roster. It's obviously Ginny. Ginny is great. They should get again Robert Connor or Joseph Connors, the slapjack stand in. <laughs> Uh, just no, I, I mean, hey, to your point though, I'm watching subculture this week. You see <laughs> these three guys, like, like, I love symmetry. I don't know about you, I just think I think symmetry is fantastic. Uh, you, you got nice straight lines. Um, if you had four people, you had you had this triangle of people behind one clear leader in a mask <laughs> doing a little bit, little, little bit of this action. Woo. Looking a little bit of frantic. Looking like yeah, a little know, frantic. Itch, itching himself. I mean, okay, yeah. think about this. They all come from different subcultures of punk rock. And, 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 and I mean, the diversity between mod, punk, 
and skate punk. I mean, like, really, you've pretty much covered all the different cultures that there are out there. If you had Slapjack, <laughs> who, who really, he's neither hardcore nor skate nor shred. Slapjack's kind of like, he's punk, he's metal, he's rock, he's hardcore, a little hip-hop. Honestly, if you kind of like really kind of dig into the vibe here. Slapjack yeah, covers all the remains. hip hop. Yeah. No, I'm not saying who's Shane Thorne. I'm talking about Slapjack here. Uh, and when you think about <laughs> Slapjack, the character of Slapjack really does cover pretty much all the other unspoken for subcultures. I think this faction needs to be led by a strong silent type. Slapjack subculture is still out there. And WWE needs me to come in and write the storylines to get the ratings up so that you guys stop sucking from week to week. Chris Novembrino's here. He's here. He's got all the Slapjack angles. Full notebook. Nathan Frazier loses to Noam Dar. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's uh, he, see, he's got the new name. He's here with his new name. And he's the name, back to the old name because he was undefeated. The, the old name had a better win-loss record is the problem yeah, there. Yeah. I, I, actually, to, to that point... Uh, to that point, unironically, I will say this. If you're going to do this whole I'm changing my name record, he almost can't – or whole name gimmick. He can't lose until his new win-loss record at least eclipses the old win-loss record. It needs to be a, a demonstration or an exhibition of like renewed confidence or whatever, and instead he's hit the stumbling block of Gnome Dar and Shaw Samuels right out the back, right out the gate. And th- the problem with these two guys is that they are very – um character driven and effervescent heels and Nathan Frazier is pretty dry. Yeah. He's yeah, he's kind of a boring like no Gnome Dar's funny and personable and Shaw Samuels is a big character guy. And Nathan mm-hmm. Frazier is nothing. Um and so it's really easy white for bread. he is white bread. That it's is easy what he for is. those heel guys in just doing their character to play Nathan Frazier right off the scene. I mean, it's not necessarily Dar trying to sabotage or whatever. It's that, like, the pairing of the personable, vivacious heel against the bland babyface tends to lead to the bland babyface getting eclipsed. Tyler Bate is a jerk. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that, that this promo was at least interesting, though. I, yeah. like, I, I actually like the Zen Master stuff being a way to be a prick. Um, and, and I kind of enjoyed that as a wrinkle, potentially. Yeah, I, I get that. I guess that's that's cool. There was one other thing in NXT UK. I want well, I think a lot of those self-help guru guys are, are oh. jerks, though, too. So, like, yeah. the idea of Tyler Bate coming in there and preaching, like, a Tony Perkins or whatever sort of gimmick of, like, I can help you get your life back on track. Like, like not Simon Diamond, not going the full Simon Diamond route, but, like, a little bit of this, like, the inner peace that I have found can also be achieved by you if you'd only stop being such a stupid idiot all the time. Um, <laughs> like, like I, I, I'm, I, I vibe on that. I think that that's a fun gimmick. God, I can't remember the other thing I wanted to bring up about NXT UK. I did, the Sam Gradwell thing was okay. It was okay. The match, the match, uh, the other matches were decent. I thought. Uh, uh, it, I, I mean, I, okay, no, actually, I, I gotta say that on the subculture thing, Mark Andrews needs to annihilate whoever he's coming out and having a match against. I don't. He I don't needs need to one see one match where he does annihilate somebody. Doesn't so, he? Just annihilate him. Just annihilate him. Like, I don't want to see like any of this Andrews. heart crap. I don't, no, but like yeah. when you're debuting a new faction, he doesn't need to be coming up from under. 
Um, not in the first match against Johnny Scrubzo. Johnny Scrubzo needs to basically get <laughs> annihilated with a tornado DDT, a tope to the outside, and then the shooting star press fall to pieces with Danny Luna and uh, Flash Morgan Webster on the outside, arms folded, nodding approvingly as Mark Andrews is just annihilating Johnny Scrubzo. Yeah, his entire gimmick is underdog from, you know, and you're just like, come on, man. Give, give him one match where... You get tired of rooting for underdogs after a while. <laughs> well, it's fine to root for an underdog against Walter. Uh, yes. It, I, I also I don't believe that Mark Andrews, guy I know and have seen a bajillion times and has been on my television screen for a decade, is the underdog when I see him paired up against a guy with bland trunks and a nondescript look, no entrance, who I've never heard before with a nothing name. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of hard to sell me on. And, and, I mean, like, yeah. I'll actually, I'll go a little bit further. If no knock on Levi Muir, I know they're trying to put him over as a powerlifter. If he was like, I was watching NWA this week. If he was built like Kratos, that guy, like big meat mountain dude, who's like, ah, I smashed Mark Andrews sort of thing. Like the first tomahawk blow or whatever wallops Mark Andrews. Okay, I get that. And then Mark Andrews can real quickly overcome the initial like meat mountain thing and then hit the 450 splat or the shooting star press splash and win. Um, but like against a nondescript slightly above average built guy, Mark Andrews has nothing to overcome, nor should he have to have any resistance. This should be a piece of cake for this guy who went super deep in the Cruiserweight Classic. If you have a match with a broomstick, you don't give the broomstick 75% of the offense. Uh, Are you familiar (laughs) with Kota Ibushi? (laughs) Kenny Omega and a blow-up doll? Yeah. Uh, Anyways, let's... uh, Let's get out of here by ending with our backlash preview, WrestleMania backlash preview. I apologize. Yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a two-pronged thing. Six matches on the card. Sunday night, maybe it'll be a quick two and a half hours and we can get out of there. Starting with Damian Priest versus The Miz in a lumberjack match. Stipulation selected by Damian Priest. Can these lumberjacks coexist, and who's going to end up attacking Damian Priest at the end? Oh, man. Um, I actually think that Damian Priest wins this because I think what we're really dealing with here is the John Morrison-Miz split. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that that's the backdrop for all of this. Um, and, and that I think Morris- Morrison yeah. throws him in. Yeah, I, I think Morrison goes, oh, I just do my job or something like that. Like, yeah. but, but like, yeah, yeah, I think I think Morrison finally has enough of the Miz's crap. And uh, yeah, like this is and like to that point, I'm interested in John Morrison baby face push. Um, I think he's I, I still like John Morrison. Um, I'm, that I, I'm said, not, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I still like him. I think that he can be very funny. At times, that like like the Johnny Drifter thing is not necessarily the funniest thing he's ever done, but he has a way of being funny, and I think that he still has a lot of gas left in the tank to have like interesting, you know, good matches and on mid card level. So yeah, I'm here for Morrison main event push or Morrison like face push at least. Look, I liked the Jim Morrison character. I like. I think he's doing great work as a comedy flake. I don't think he should be a comedy flake, but if they're going to do it this way in this second run, 
what do we complain about? That people never evolve when they get back into the WWE. It's always the same guy that they used to be. Or, or that this they never evolution. address deficits, right? And, yes. and in the case of John Morrison, John Morrison was always a look and not much else. Uh, right. Th- th- yeah, and, and John Morrison has 100% transformed that from Johnny Mundo to this WWE run. This this latter half of his career, has he slowed down a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Um, has he picked up, and I, I think he's actually slowed down a little bit even from being Johnny Mundo, um, you know, because he was, he was actually kind of at, at, at the best of both worlds at that point. But this latter half, he's really found a way to be a character that's identifiable, that can deliver punchlines, um, it can be, you know, he's good. I think, I think he's very good and he still bumps exceptionally well. He bumps better than a lot of people on the roster. Those iOS level three classes coming in handy for Johnny drip drip. Uh, the dirty dogs, Dolph Ziggler and Robert. Ru- oh, wait, who I think Damian priest wins. Who do you think wins? Yeah. I, I said, I think Damian priest wins. Cause okay. I think this is all about, yeah. I just Morrison. wanted to reiterate. Dirty Dogs, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, Robert Roode versus Rey Mysterio and Baby Champ Dominic Mysterio. Baby Champ, do 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 do. Baby Champ, do 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 do. WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. I think the Mysterios lose. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think they lose. <laughs> Because they're gonna have the street profits probably involved, and then they still they still have four teams in this division. I think I think they wait and they have like Dominic pin Chad Gable or something in a four way. I I just I, it, it's such a it's such a crap move, but I could see them putting the titles on the Mysterious. Don't get me wrong, but that Vince. We gotta get more heat on this before we do it. I could, I think the Dirty Dogs take this. Oh man, uh, I, I gotta, I, I gotta go with that. The Mysterios are winning is the yeah. feel good moment. I, I just, I don't think that they are thinking all that hard. And the Dirty Dogs scream quintessential transitional champions. So like prop champions and like their little promo that they did where it's like, and we're never going to lose the titles ever. Like, it was like the most generic, like <laughs> heel, like you can never defeat the evil crime syndicate. We are simply too strong now. Like, crime syndicate after <laughs> wronged Bobby fish. Yeah. <laughs> Turn a classic movie. Yeah. We're going to wrong Bobby crime fish. Now. We're uh, crime syndicate. <laughs> I've assembled you all here today. We are going to go out there and we're going to wrong Bobby Fish. We're going to wrong him like he's never been wronged before. (laughs) We are going to be a syndicate of crime. (laughs) Larceny man, tell me how the larceny (laughs) is going. (laughs) For triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship, the greatly characterized Rhea Ripley taking on Charlotte Flair and the lovely Asuka. (laughs) <laughs> for the Raw Women's title. Uh, Rhea Ripley's retaining this, I think. I don't think, God, if they give this to Charlotte Flair. Although, I have no idea because Alexa Bliss is somewhere out there. God. And it looks like Oh my Bliss. God, that match. That match on Monday. Holy hell. Uh, I know we tried to black out Monday Night Raw. 
But that match on Monday, where Alexa Bliss comes out and does like hoodoo voodoo on Shayna Baszler and like causes like the leg injury or whatever it was, and then like the rest of the women's locker room is mystified as the doll and Alexa Bliss are laughing at the top of the ramp. Um, I, I like. You know, again, we were talking about quarter hours. If I knew that Alexa Bliss was coming up in my next quarter hour, I would find anything else to do. I might hide in a closet um, with protective gear on to keep myself away from the screen. She's starting a feud with one of these people. I would bet Asuka just to go back to that, but I could see her being the next challenger for Rhea Ripley. And, uh, oh, God help us if that happens. But I think Rhea Ripley retains. Oh, my God. This could end with an Alexa hoodoo voodoo moment where she puts the hex on Asuka and Asuka. Charlotte. And, yeah. and Rhea wins based off, yeah, yeah, or on Asuka. Um, and then Rhea it, wins based off of that. Alexa Bliss puts them both to sleep with a sleeping spell, plus one roll for initiative, and then Rhea Ripley pins them both. Oh, she stacks them up. Just like the edge angle. Just like Roman. <laughs> Bianca, for the SmackDown women's title, Bianca Belair versus our girl Aunt Pam. Uh, this goes one of two ways, in my opinion. Either Bailey does something untoward to kind of make it, you know, we have to go back to it, or Sasha Banks interferes and we reunite the golden role models. But I, Bianca Belair is going to retain this title somehow. But we're gonna have to run back this thing because the feud can't be over. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a conclusive finish. But yeah, I think Bianca leaves as the champion. How? Under what circumstances? I'm gonna leave myself some wiggle room because it might be How something. How about this? Yet. It could be a disqualification finish. Okay. I'll call my shot. Bailey ties the ponytail around the post, and it's a countout. So she remains the number one contender. Okay, that's interesting. I, yeah, it definitely seems like the ponytail is going to come into play. Oh, mm-hmm. actually, though, Bailey Did wins. You? Bailey wins <laughs> by using the ponytail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Would, would the, wouldn't that be a pin? Tie, yeah, tying Bianca down or something so, like that. Yeah. So yeah, wait you, a second. So if she pins her, she gets the title. You want her to have the title? Yeah. No, I'm saying Bailey wins. I, I'm, I, I'm thinking of that that ponytail. That ponytail is obviously the Chekhov's gun of this storyline here. Yeah, I think, but I think it's going to be for a count out, not for a pin. So okay. We okay. differ in that. Okay. Uh, but it cost uh, Bianca the match in some way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Bobby Lashley with MVP taking on Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman in a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. Bobby's keeping this title. And Drew and Braun are going to go off and feud, and we're going to figure out somebody else for Bobby Lashley. That's what I'm seeing here. Yeah, no, I, I, there's the the interest in having Drew as the in front of crowds champion thing that like think was there at one point in 2020. It, it just does not feel present on the show right now. Drew's character's frankly kind of run its course. It's become uh, more tropey than it has like you know a man on a mission at this point. He's just kind of playing the hits. Finally, Roman Reigns, your champion with Paul Heyman in a singles match for the Universal title, taking on Cesaro. Cesaro's first title match, as said, ad nauseum on television. Is there any story you can think of in your mind where Cesaro possibly gets a five-day title reign here, Chris? 
I just don't see it. I, I don't see, I mean, one of the big problems with the backlash, uh, WrestleMania backlash in terms of branding is very bad for the main event angle because it makes you always believe that the main event angle is going to be kind of just a rerun uh, or whoever was the champion coming out of WrestleMania is probably still going to be a champion in this. And I, I just don't see with Cesaro this being his, his moment. Um, I like him. I think that they still have plans for him. They've clearly done a little bit of rebranding on him. He's got, you know, more stylized gear. I don't think they're done pushing him in any way, shape, or form this year. So uh, for those of people like myself who are excited to see this happening for him, um, I, I think he's still in a good place. However, uh, this story has been about the Usos, and it's a, specifically Jimmy Uso. He is the Chekhov's gun of this storyline and or Seth Rollins. And so I think the storyline kind of either moves through Jimmy Uso or Jimmy Uso and Seth Rollins and Roman and Jay having to make a choice and choosing Seth over Jimmy, um, perhaps. Um, if, uh, if Jimmy can't get with the program as to what family is, Roman can find someone who can get to the program of what family is. Roman can find himself a brother. But I don't see Cesaro winning. Yeah, all this story is about the other guy, and nobody cares about Cesaro. So it seems to me they go with the interesting choice and go with Roman Reigns. Anyways, that's uh, that's back WrestleMania Backlash preview. This has been Shake Them Ruffs. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at DWATG. That is short for Don't Worry About the Government. You can follow just the show at Shake Them Ropes. We'll tell you when the shows drop. You can go download them and tell me if I screwed up the audio or not. I'll be fine. Uh, Chris also, as uh, previously stated, does a show called Don't Worry About the Government. It's on Patreon. They'll tell you about it now. Patreon.com slash DWATG to go and check out Don't Worry About the Government and get the video versions of the show. You can also download it on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify if those are your things. Also, I want to remind everyone, if you are interested in learning how to make music, how to play guitar specifically, play bass, um, those are the two I teach remotely. I am available for online virtual lessons. I have, like, uh, this is what I do professionally. So, like, if you are legitimately trying to advance yourself on the instrument of guitar or bass, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Lessons are actually very affordable. Um, so get at me at DWATG, or, you know, you can reach out to Jeff, and Jeff will help you get in touch with me. Jeff may be signing up, but he may decide to pick up this bass again. He doesn't remember how. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, no, a little bit of pickup lessons. Uh, I ever tell you the joke about the bass player? No. Oh, all right. So, so the joke is the joke is. Um, so a guy goes and takes uh, bass lessons. He goes to the instructor the first week. The instructor's like, "I'm going to show you all the notes on the E string. Um, and you're going to get three here. That's G. Five is A. Seven is B. Ten up here is D. And then the double dots is E again." Next week, the guy shows up, and he's like, all right, I'm going to show you all the notes on the A string. And, you know, we got C here at the third fret, D here at the fifth fret. Up there, there's your seven. Uh, seven is E. Uh, and then we got A up here again. Uh, the next week, the third week, uh, the guy gets no-showed. Um, and the bass instructor ends up calling up the dude, and he's like, hey, man, you didn't show up for your lesson. What the hell is that about? And the uh, bass player is like, oh, yeah, well, I uh, got a gig. that.